Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is kind of a special treat for me. I'm I'm really looking forward to this episode, and I'll tell you why. I'm a student of the fire service. Grew up in New Jersey, still live in New Jersey. North Jersey is different than South Jersey. Believe it or not, it's one of the smallest states in the country, and yet there's a pretty big divide. And uh, us North Jersey guys, we got to stick together. And so today... I have a very special guest with me, who, somebody that I've recognized his name for many, many years in the fire service. I know his contributions have been wide and large, and I'm very honored to have Deputy Chief Retired Butch Cobb on the show. Chief, thanks for joining me tonight. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of honored to be on. I've listened to you for a long time. And, you know, I, I never thought about asking anybody to be on a, 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 a podcast, but Yours was really special, and I said, oh, let me see if you can use wow. it. <laughs> well, I don't, special, I mean, special can go a lot of different ways, Chief, so I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you very much, man. But this is, it's a, this for me is just a lot of fun because yeah. growing growing up in, in New Jersey, it's a small place, right? And, you know, and then break it down by county. We're Bergen County guys, and that's where you got your roots started. And so what's fun about that for me is I recognized your name, and so, through reading articles and correspondence and all this being a student of the magazines and all that, Butch Cobb was always a name that stood out to me, probably because it's unique. It's, it's kind of like a, it's a cool name. I've got to say it's a cool name. So it stood out to me. So when you reached out and said, Hey, you know, this and that, and we touched base. I said, come on the show. I'd love to hear your story and learn about you because you are a guy that I learned and read about a little bit. And I'd love to hear it from you. So thanks for joining me tonight. Um, truly special to have you here. Um, let's go over a couple things. A U.S. Army veteran served in Vietnam from 68 to 69. You're in the Army from 67 to 70. Uh, right after that, you got your starts in the Volunteers, which, like I said, in Bergen County, New Jersey, uh, companies that I certainly recognize, Dumont, West Milford, and so on. But coming back from the war, still had a love for that fire service, and then you went all in with the Jersey City Fire Department, which is the largest fire department in the state of New Jersey, uh, from 1975 to 2009 and retired as a deputy chief. Not so bad on your pedigree, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, as I mentioned to you before, the reason I joined uh, the Vollers in 70 uh, was when I, I always wanted to be a fireman. That, that from day one, like, followed my dad's footsteps. Uh, his uncle was in the FDNY and Chased fires all over Bergen County on my on my uh, bicycle and I know that yeah hung out in the firehouse. Uh, a lot of guys don't remember, but I cleaned a lot of brass back then, and nobody does <laughs> anymore. But, you know, so um, when I graduated, I was eighteen, and back then you couldn't vote and you couldn't be a fireman or a cop until you were twenty-one. So I wasn't college material, and I grew up uh, knowing uh, all five of my. Uh, uh, all four of my uncles and my dad all, you know, enlisted for World War II. So they all, you know, didn't tell me any stories, but they were all military. So sure. I said, what's the next best thing to go on to college? I said, I'll ran down to the recruiter, Sergeant Glenn in Burgerfield, New Jersey, yep. signed up. And he said, well, you know, what do you want to do? I said, well, first of all, I want to volunteer to go to Vietnam. <laughs> you know, wow. that was 1967. Went through basic, um, made it through 68, 69, and... Uh, in Vietnam, and the, the day I got back, I started taking tests. I was 21, and actually the first test I took was for the Phoenix Fire Department in Arizona. 
Is that right? No kidding. Yeah, because when I got back, I had uh, about 10 months to do it, and they sent me to Fort Huachuca, Arizona, which was down on the border, south of Tucson. And we just go up to Phoenix, and I ran into a fireman there, and he said, you know, we were just chatting. I said, oh, I want to be a fireman. He said, listen, they're hiring hundreds here in Phoenix. He said, he said to me, they're building firehouses that they don't have enough guys to put in. Yeah. So I took the test there, and I waited a little bit, and the list was coming out. But you know what? I needed to be a fire back, fireman back east. And uh, I got my car one day, drove from Fort Huachuca back to uh, New Jersey, uh, took the test. Now, a lot of the kids aren't going to understand this, but when I took the test, it was one test for, for eight fire departments. There was no residency requirement. And in New Jersey, which I didn't find out until I got back, they gave veterans preference. So yeah. all I had to do was get a 70, and I went to the top of the list. But <laughs> of, of, of uh, I think there were 55 or 60 of us in my probie class, probably – Two-thirds of those guys were Vietnam veterans, so you kind of got ranked. But, um, you know, I waited. We all can call. For, Ridgewood called first. I didn't I didn't uh, uh, mention that. Ridgewood the, called me first. They were, the I was bustling metropolis, were, yes. Yes, I was one on the list. You know, I had been back from Vietnam for a little bit. My hair was down. Hard to imagine this, but my hair was kind of down a little bit and had the mustache going, and I walked in there, you know, with, a, a, I think, a T-shirt on, talked to the chief, and... He wasn't impressed with me. At all. <laughs> I, love well, it. I walked yeah. out of there and, and, and they said, you know what, that, that's not going to work. So, and then we walk and call. They did that for a few years. And then uh, I wanted Jersey City, Newark, um, yeah. you know, places like Elizabeth. I knew where sure. the buyers were. And that's, that's all I wanted to do. So when Jersey City called, I mean, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, starting there in the early 70s, uh, mid 70s. What was what was going on in the early seventies? I gotta think it was a pretty tough town. Jersey City today has been really gentrified. It, it's sure. it's cleaned up tremendously, but I have to think the late sixties and early seventies that was the heyday of fire down down there. Absolutely, you know what? It, 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 it's it, you know if you went to work day and night tour and you didn't get at least one job, there was something wrong. It was like yeah, you know, it was. Uh, um, I, I went to engine one at a probie school, even though I had, uh, I'd been through some training with Weehawken and I took the, uh, you know, back in Dumont, there was a, a firefighter, it wasn't even firefighter one, it was a firefighter basic class. So I had some experience and, uh, but it didn't matter. We had a guy, actually Mike Turpak, uh, he was mm-hmm. a New York city fireman, sure. came over, wanted to come over to Jersey. They made him take the probie school in Jersey city. They didn't care who you, who you are or where you're from. Yeah. Right. The whole, whatever it was. So. Um, I did that. I went to Engine One, which was downtown near the Hudson River, and I wasn't sure. Yeah, I knew all the companies. I knew the busy companies, but we were on Morgan Street near uh, Henderson. Now Henderson is somebody else's name now, but from from Morgan Street all the way to the Holland Tunnel were vacant buildings, two, yeah. three, four story bricks all yeah. the way, and and it just you know, it 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 kind of was fun, but not enough fun. And uh, you know, I was able to, to bid. We had a bidding system. You got a point for every year you're on a job, so you could bid to places. And I knew going in, I wanted to go to the company called Engine 20 down the south end of the city, and that's where I wound up. So, it was why fun. why why 20 Engine? What was the what was the appeal down there? Uh, you're gonna think this is nuts. 20 Engine was every on every box in the city, which meant if they weren't on the first alarm, they were on the second, they were third or the fourth. Right. And this is crazy too. They didn't relocate. So they were always there. <laughs> yeah, busy spot. You can't move them out of there, right? 
So, so <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, so you know, I, I did a little time in one engine, went to four engine, uh, it was called the big house, engine four, engine five, um, six truck, which was a 90 foot snorkel. Mm. Um, it fell over twice at fire, so you know, come I, on, really. Oh, the snorkel, yeah. We had a big pier fire. Uh, uh, <laughs> Chief Cardillo, they put the thing up. You know, we're going to stop it from spreading to the next pier. And, right. and uh, it rotated around and something snapped and the thing spun with, with oh, three guys gosh. in the bucket. No and, kidding. They all walked away. Wow. And it, yeah, so it was, it was a single axle snorkel, which yeah. if you needed to stop, you had to press the brake down like two blocks before. Both feet, right? Ass out of the yeah. seat. Yeah, I believe that. But that was That's fun. funny. I, you know, that was good because it was uh, a big house. Uh, three companies, yeah. battalion chief. Oh, no, the battalion wasn't there. It was three companies and the deputy chief. Back then, there were uh, two divisions in Jersey City, uh, chief in each division. And uh, it was okay because, you know what, he just didn't bother anybody, and we just did our thing. And I, I like that's when the family effect hit me, that this is this is truly a, 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 like a, a good brotherhood. Yeah. about kids and families, and we got to know each other, but... Um, and it was an old American in the France. We still riding a tailboard because mm. the, the jump seat was so narrow. You couldn't get an air pack on. So we still had the suitcases. That was kind of fun. Out of the back compartment, right? So you're rolling up on a tailboard and you're going in the compartment to get your SCBA. Uh, not if you first do, you just went in. <laughs> nah. So talk to me. So chief, talk to me a little bit about that, right? Cause those early days, there's something about those days that appeal to everyone in the fire service, right? The warriors, if you will. Yeah. And, and to be one that was a part of it, did you realize at the time that, I mean, it was just business as usual for you guys, right? Like this is just how we did it. You yeah. bled, you bled, you slept, you 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 sweat you you got wet you went and did it again right rinse and repeat rinse and repeat that's it sat around sat around the uh, the kitchen table you know mostly laughing talking about what we just did I mean we yeah we had some some serious fires I I, I went to sure. fire early on with engine one uh, wound up with nine DOAs wow. um, yeah it was that time period revenge fire a guy dumped a couple buckets of gasoline down uh, down the wooden stairs of a four story tenement you know from the roof. Kind of a revenge thing, and that was, you know, those kind of things. You know, that was one fire that early on that uh, I sat around. I couldn't sleep all night. It was just, uh, you know, it wasn't all the excitement of being a fireman was great and the running and. But you know what? When that happened, yeah. it, just, it made you stop and say, "Listen, this is serious, real serious." At times, and and uh, we did everything we could. I mean, you know, we did everything possible. You know, you hear this a lot that these people were gone before we got there. I mean, it was just, it was a tremendous amount of fire. Beat the hell out of it, got in. Yeah. Everybody, uh, you know, everybody, uh, there was a kid floating in a tub and the mom was out in the hall. Yeah, it was just yeah, so. terrible, terrible situation. But, but know, I have to, like, was it different back then with the assignments? Like, were you running less companies than they run today? I mean, now today for a structural fire, you're running four engines, two trucks, a heavy rescue, three chiefs. Like, was it different back then? It, the only thing that was different was in 75, when I came on a job, they disbanded the two rescues. They had one in each division, rescue one. Oh, rescue I didn't two. know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. But the rescues back then um, were... Uh, you, you know, rescue two is sometimes you got sent to rescue two. There's kind of punishment because either you're out or I don't, you know, I'm telling like it is. People right. they told me so. Um, there was two less companies, but the entire time I was in Jersey City, they ran four engines, two trucks, 
They did. Uh, at least one chief, uh, two chiefs, rather, four, two, and two. The deputy was assigned on every box, every single okay. box, structure fire, and a battalion. Yeah. So, and automatic alarms were two and one, and it's been like that, and it still is. Yeah. Today, they even beefed it up. When I was there, we were getting about, oh, I don't know, maybe 30, 30 guys, uh, 30 firemen on, on the first alarm. Now they get four engines, two trucks, three chiefs, yeah. three chiefs. Um, and if anything's shown, they get they get squad four as the fifth pumper, and they get squad one from downtown as the fast truck. So wow. they're probably Moving resources. a good first alarm, probably uh, close to 40, 35, 40 uh, guys and girls. Were you staffing four? Is that what your staffing was? Yeah, on it's, each... al- it's always been um, a minimum of four on the engines, mm-hmm. four on the trucks, and a minimum of rescue was five. Now, okay. if we're on any vacations, you might have a couple engines with five. The sure. rest you might have six, but um, the minimum was four on an engine and truck and five on a rescue. It's good staffing, even back then. I mean, that's that's great. You know, yeah. did you go through any? Did you go through any brownouts or any? I mean, during those times, those cities were scraping by for money, right? I mean, this this was a plighted time. So, were you witnessing layoffs, or did you guys brown out companies? What was that like? Yeah, I was on a job about four months. Got my uh, was handed my. Uh, my letter oh, thing, yeah. Really? And, you know, I was, everybody was worried. I mean, you know, we got kids now and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, but, you know, they, they ironed out the contract and everything stayed. Mm-hmm. They did they did close uh, four companies in 91. Okay. Um, and, and this was the chief at the time. Uh, this is how he, um, you know, how he did it. He said, I got to close four. He took the two slowest companies, Engine 1 and Ladder 1 downtown, closed them, and took the two busiest companies, Engine 5, I mean, I'm sorry, Truck 5 and Engine 20, where I was, and closed them. But mm. here's the big but. They decided to bring the rescue back the, the uh, and make it like a heavy rescue. I mean, a real rescue with all the training right. and whatnot. And uh, they... Uh, the, the, the captains that were going to run it, we all had to submit resumes. It was the first time that they didn't use the bidding system, so I was fortunate that I got picked right away. And uh, um, myself and Frank Bentavegna, who was uh, another, the other captain, we, we worked a year putting it together. So they brought oh, wow. Them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they and that was 91? 91, yeah. So they closed okay. two companies, which was, you know, eight firemen or eight, eight people. But they brought the rescue back, so the net loss was, was three. Um, personnel-wise, but um, closing that firehouse was uh, was difficult. Even though I was there, that was my big spot. I was the captain on Engine 20. Uh, spent most of my career there, and uh, and they were going to put the rescue in there. But but you know what? Uh, half the department hated the rescue because of of, of what happened. You know, so yeah. resentment, but, right? Yeah, but we got we got over there. I packed more holes, my myself and my guys, we packed more holes at fires on the rescue than we ever did on an engine, really. We stayed at every fire, in service, on the scene, and we helped pack holes, put ladders, you know, so uh Doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. That was uh I always said the rescue was, was the most fun I ever had my clothes on. <laughs> I can believe it, right? Because the rescue society and everything that's fun in the city, plus all the jobs, right? So, yeah. Journey City is only uh, 15 square miles, pretty small. Yeah. And, and we started out on every box in the city. And, and every extrication and every uh, elevator emergency, you name it, we went to it. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. 
What what was it about? I mean, so I mean, obviously the challenge of it now starting a rescue company from scratch in '91. Obviously, you're leaning on other departments that have been running them, probably Newark, right? I would assume you're looking at different programs around, you know, around you to, to figure out how to craft that. But that had to be a really interesting time for you to really go all in and go from no rescue company to a technical heavy rescue company, right? Yeah, what, what we did was uh, we had to get the, uh, the union in, in agreement with this. Uh, sure. We decided to start the rescue by resume. So there were, there were a lot of firemen, volunteer firemen. Um, you know, guys that just went into it had training, and they submitted their resumes. So, for the most part, we started that way. And and Frank took care of, of kind of designing a fire truck and other things. And and um, I had a great job. And by this time, I had been I've been working not working. I had been uh, Harvey Eisner's right hand man, and um, and I was the uh, training coordinator for Firehouse Magazine for all their expos for a while. Right. So I got to know a lot of people. So I used that. The first thing I did, I went to New York City. Uh, Mickey Comboy uh, was a fireman in Rescue 3, and he was a volley with me, uh, you know, long before that, way before he got on New York City. And uh, I called him, went over. I sat with him and Pete Lund. Um, you know, Pete gave me, uh, God rest his soul, Pete gave me uh, uh, tons of information, walked around a rig. This is important. This is what's not um I went to Philadelphia. Uh, Freddie Endicrat was lieutenant in rescue one in Philly. Went around that truck. He gave me all the yeah. This is what you you know. Um, went up to Boston. Uh, where else did I go? I Newark. I knew really well. I knew some guys in Newark. Sure. And, and uh, but we wanted to be a, a uh, you know a functional heavy rescue that could do as much as possible. And uh, and then we started training. We uh, most of the guys that put resumes in. We're already certified in quite a few things. Water rescue, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that helps then in the process. But that's fun to start a new company and to be yeah. at the helm of that. Yeah. That's got to be a lot of fun. It's a, it's a major accomplishment. I mean, you look at today, Jersey City Rescue One is a, you know, top shelf company. And yeah. to be at the to be at the foundation of that, that's got to be uh, something important in your career on the on the checkbox of things to do, right? Yeah, I'm always uh, proud of that. And uh, when I'm yeah. back, you know, I, I always walk in. I always go to rescue and uh, – talk with the guys you know some of them know who you are and some of them are like you know sure before you come in the firehouse let me get the captain <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, put your wallets away boys put your yeah, wallets away i'm kind of, I'm kind of proud yeah. of that uh, frank and i and, and uh, um not just him i should i got you know my memory's terrible uh vic petroselli um i'm, I'm trying to think of it and, and uh there was another uh, guy that was a battalion chief uh that was the four of us we you know yeah we started it, and uh, it was. Uh, I'm kind of proud of that. It's one of the, the you know, yeah, the second most, most proud thing I am that I've done in Jersey City, and the the, the, the proudest thing I, I think for me is every one of the guys that ever worked with me in Engine Twenty or Rescue One all got promoted before I left. That's cool. And that's you know what that to me that is like you know, I'm not taking there's I'm not saying that, that was me, but we studied a lot together. You know when I got into the books and and. Uh, it was just good to, to go to all their promotional ceremonies. I, I felt really good that every everybody, you know, that that uh, I work with, either battalion listen, chief or captain, yeah. Listen, the success of those around us, right? Like people that 
people that get it and people that are all in want the best for their people. And so to be the last man standing and to watch everybody promote out of the company yeah. and then it's your turn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty big moment. That's cool. And so from, from engine 20 then, right. They shut that down. You then went to the rescue, but were you made at that point? Did you get, what do you have? You don't have lieutenants. Do you, you have captains? No, no we had, we had lieutenants. Uh, oh, you did. But you know what? I didn't, I could have taken the lieutenant's test after three years because veterans could take a promotional exam in the fire department after three years. Oh, okay. There's no way I was ready to take a test for anything. But I did take the lieutenant's test, I guess, maybe on the fourth year, halfway down the list. And then there was a lawsuit where uh, um, the lieutenant said that they were doing captain's work anyway, and, and the city gave in. So, like, on a Monday, all the lieutenants were promoted to captain. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but I took, uh, I waited, I guess, for maybe seven years, eight years before I took the, the but it, it, the only thing I regret my whole, in my whole career was a period in time in Jersey City where I took the captain's test. I came out uh, like 10 on the list and, you know, they needed a bunch. And right. the test got thrown out. Somebody sued, sued and said it wasn't, you know, and, sure. and so some judge threw it out. So I went about another Two years, another test came out. We took it. it. wasn't wasn't the right numbers. That went down the toilet. So it took about six years. We finally get this, some things I remember. Was a judge out in Newark, Sorokin. He hired a company to, to to build the first assessment center. Yeah. And he gave it to Jersey City, and everybody said this is a court-proof test. Doesn't matter what happens. So. You know, there were, at the time, there were probably you know, close to 600 uh, firemen in Jersey City, and, and uh, you know, maybe 300 were eligible to take the test. So, you know, we took the assessment center, and, and I came out one. So, wow, yeah. cool. <laughs> so, but, yeah. But I regret the fact that it, six years out of my life, uh, maybe as being an officer, uh, almost six and a half years before we, we promoted anybody. We had acting, we had provisional. But uh, so I, that's the only thing I regret is that, that I got caught in that. Or everybody got caught in that. But, you know, it, it, it worked itself out. So gave you more time to be a fireman. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's why I said I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't take the first test for like seven years. Like, you know, how could you take how could you take a test? That, say you took it three years because of a veteran. When I could walk into a company where, you know, the, yeah. the junior guys got 18 years on the job. I would have never done that. That's, too, you know, you can't walk into a company and say, oh, geez, you know, I'm new. <laughs> guys yeah. <carrying> me. <laughs> you're talking about your accomplishments right so i mean two very big accomplishments there for you and things to be very proud of talk to me a little bit about promoting up like did you enjoy the chief spot i, I know you retired as a deputy in 2009 yeah but do you do you have battalions as well then down in jersey city four battalions uh okay yeah the first battalion is downtown second is where where i work the south end of the city and that's the south end of the city is you know if you want to to work. Sounds like you're home, man. It sounds like that's where you spend your a lot of time, Chief. I never worked um, like there's a dividing line, uh, um, uh, Montgomery Street. I never worked north of Montgomery Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I started studying. You know, I wasn't really, uh, you know, I just I studied for it, but maybe not how I should have. But I, I, I did pretty good. I think I came out three on a battalion list. They needed like six, so uh, I got a spot right away. The second battalion was open. Um, you know, where most of the work was fourth and the second. And a spot opened up on Group C. Um, great deputy, Marty McNulty, took me under his wing. This was a great guy. I mean, this is, this is a guy who, who very rarely assumed command, uh, just 
he watched you and then you know right. and then he would talk to you later on and but uh yeah he he did a lot for my 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 career and uh so yeah so I went down there for for uh oh, for six seven years I think and then uh um you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about retirement now. I, I forget. I, I have to keep looking at the paper. I have no memory anymore. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, that's all right. Uh, I, uh, the test came out, I think, 2004. They're having a deputies test. I was having fun as a battalion chief. I mean, yeah. next to being the Boston Rescue, this was a great job. Everybody down at South End was there for one reason and one reason only. And that was just... You know, go to job, go to fire. They wanted to be firemen, right? Yeah, and and, and show off your talent. One and yeah, and you gotta and you gotta let them do that. That's the thing. Like back then, you they let guys do the job. Yeah, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, and they all did it. Yeah, there was a competition back then, almost. You know, people say, "Oh, you can't have competition on a fire." Well, yeah, well, you can. sure you can. Absolutely, yeah. you can. Yeah. So it was. Uh, I just had such great crews when I went down there. Uh, Tony De La Rosa was a captain. He went all the way to, to deputy chief. Um, just all all good officers down there, all good guys, all all homegrown Jer- Jersey City boys too. Uh, nice. Um, they live, you know, and, and uh, they, a lot of Irish Catholic, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So we we, <laughs> we, had, we had a we had a blast down there. We. Uh, you know, I got all the captains together, and, and, and the only thing I said I, I needed from you, right? Because they were good. Their reputation was good. Yeah. I wasn't going to tell right. them I run a fire. All I said to them was, every every tour we work, I need to hear you on the air training. And I don't care if, if you if you stayed in the firehouse with your portable and said we're, we're training, and you're doing something in the firehouse. I said that's all I need to to hear is training. That was because that's that was my yeah. whole thing for my whole career was training, training, training. You know, it's. Uh, Probably comes from the rescue, right? I mean, starting off, I mean, that's that's well, to build a company. The other thing, Jeremy, um, when when I uh, was assisting Harvey Eisner and yeah. and he made me the chief of training, I wasn't working with the, the the legends yet. I was working with famous famous guys like Johnny Salka, uh, John Noman, Freddie Endicott. Um, I could go through the list. Uh, sure a couple superstars from California. These guys were the best there was. And I'm setting up training. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting them the tools. I'm watching them. I'm, 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 you know, uh, I had some of my own guys from Jersey City because I had a company back then called uh, um, Surviving the Fireground LLC. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a whole other thing. Um, so I'm around all these, these giants of the industry at the time, uh, you know, who, who wrote the book before they wrote the books. Yeah. And just it was, the, the the training to me was watching them and hearing their stories, you know. And that's uh, I, I just got into training. I just uh, you know any chance I got to do it, I made sure all our companies that I was with trained and and uh, you know. You know when you when you have opportunities like that where you surround yourself with incredible people, it makes you want to be better. Yeah. And and when it comes to training. You know, to work with Harvey Eisner, so people that are listening to this podcast might not even know who Harvey Eisner is. Harvey passed away a few years ago. He's the editor-in-chief of Firehouse Magazine. Firehouse Magazine, back in the day, was like literally like one of two major publications that, that headlined the fire service. It was Fire Engineering and Firehouse. Things have changed a little bit today with the size and scope of the magazine and different directions and all this stuff. But back in the day, like I grew up, fire engineering, you read the articles, the real technical articles. Firehouse was more uh, flashy. It was more photos, more, uh, uh, 
you know, softer information. It was geared towards a little bit different of a, of a reader, I think, but it still had a very strong training following. And back then, those guys taught for both magazines and they taught at both conferences. And so for you to be in that position, and Harvey Eisner, Tenafly guy, New Jersey, Bergen County, like he, and I didn't know his backstory too, Butch, that he was a buff in New York City. Before before he got involved with Firehouse Magazine, I didn't know all that until recently. So an incredible story, and I'd I'd love to really dive into that story one day. But go ahead, go ahead. What Harvey, are you going to say? Harvey was a chief in Tenafly. I was yeah. a volley in Dumont. Long time chief. I was a volley yeah. in Dumont. Right. And the next town over from us was Creskill, and there was an up and coming farmer there named Bobby Pressler. That's right. And Bobby Pressler and I, we go into the Bronx all the time during the week. Because he was working a shift, uh, shift work. I was working shift work. It was before he was uh, on the FDNY. And right. We'd sit across from 82 and 31. It was a little bodega across the street. We get a quart of beer, a couple slices of pizza. and we'd Oh, my God. I love this. Uh, between the two of us, we have thousands of slides. We were taking slides back then. Yeah. And it was just crazy. I mean, we were both firemen, but we were still running around. And, and I ran around with Harvey, too. Uh, he was like super buff. Yes. He walked into a firehouse and it was like, you know, the, the two-star chief walked in. Yeah. You know, everybody, yeah. So that's another part of, 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 of uh, my life that I'll never forget. I mean, Harvey Harvey was, uh, you know, I was a little older than him, but he was almost like a father image. I mean, to follow him around, I'll tell you how great he was at, 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 at finding talent. We were out, I went out to San Diego with him. We were setting up the San Diego, uh, the Firehouse World Conference. Yeah. So I go out there with him and getting ready to leave. He goes, Butch, we're going to stop in New Mexico. You, you got to meet this guy I met a few weeks ago. He's, he's unbelievable. All right. So we fly into New Mexico and uh, we go to Albuquerque and he introduced me to this, to this uh, I think it was a battalion chief at the time. His name was Bobby Holton. I love it. And I'm like, what? So we go out to lunch. And by the time we were done with lunch, I just sat there with my mouth open, like, yeah. what the hell? This guy is unbelievable. Even back then, like Harvey knew. And so Bobby Holton kind of started out with Firehouse. And then, of course, you mm. know, we went out to fame. But Harvey could pick these people out. I mean, you know, he knew that they were going to be inspiring to the fire service and needed them on his stage. That, that's who Harvey was. He had, a, he had an incredible eye, and he was so well-respected inside and outside of the fire service. He was just an all-around. And I, only, I had only met him once or twice um, but I wish I had more opportunity to get to know him. Um, but every, yeah, and everything that I hear about him is just obviously just aces across the board. So. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he, he actually got me on stage. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to speak. Um, I was just telling stories. Long before rapid intervention, that word or whatever you want to call it, I was, I was doing some training on, it was called Rescuing Trapped, Lost, Disoriented Fireman. That was the name. <laughs> the title was too long. He told me that. But so yeah. he said to me one day, he goes, you got to get up on stage. He goes, everybody's talking about it. So, so it was back in the day. Um, it was before PowerPoint. Matter of fact, I had an overhead projector. And yeah. The, yep. Yep. <laughs> I think I flipped it. But the, but, the cellophane sheets that you got to put on the, the overhead yeah, projector. Yeah. Absolutely. All these things with, you know, I had some headlines of firefighters that, 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 that were killed from all over the country. And, but the thing I did, and he put me in the ballroom. It held like 500 people. I said, Harry, Harvey, you out of your mind? I said, nobody. So anyway, there was a pretty good group in there. Before I went in, I stopped by the New York City pipe band, um, had a table, you know, selling T-shirts and stuff. 
So I, I said, there was a pipe in there playing. So I said, listen, do me a favor. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in the ballroom. I'm, do, I'm doing a uh, thing on, uh, uh, you know, restaurant five. And I said, when I go up on stage, do me a favor, walk down the center aisle, play Amazing Grace and walk back out. And I said, I'll donate 50 bucks. And he goes, okay. There you go. So my first, like, I was down off the stage and my first like 10 slides were headlines from the Daily News and the Baltimore Sun and Times and, and the LA Times of firemen that had been lost and killed. And so as I flipped those over, he walked down, you know, the wow. lights were low and he walked Powerful. back out and I walked up on the stage and I'm telling you, when they say, you know, you, you have them in the palm of your hand, now, everybody was just, you could hear a pin drop. And I did my yeah. little, you know, song and dance, I call it, and uh, it went over really well, but that was Harvey. He, he just said, People are interested in that, and I didn't think so. I mean, who am I? I, I was nobody. Yeah, there. You know, there's movements within the fire service that happen, and and throughout your career. And this is one thing that I wanted to ask you. I don't ask, I don't plan a lot of questions, but there's one question I wanted to ask you because I know you're still very active and you stay up on what's happening and so on. You retired in 2009, which is only 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not talking retirement a long time ago, and you've been on the job in the fire service in 70 ish, and you got on the job in 75. The amount of change that you have personally seen in the fire service has got to be through the roof. Yeah. Like, you know, today I'm seeing change. And I've been on 29 years. I, I got in the, into the fire service at, in 1995. And I've seen a tremendous amount of change just in my short tenure. But your tenure, I mean, you're going to fires on the back step during the war years, if you will, in Jersey City and buffing New York City during times that the city is just burning. And you take that from those days, how back then, as difficult as it was, it was much simpler. I th don't, I'm not cheapening it. I'm saying simpler because we haven't thrown all the shit that we throw at it today. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like it was, it was more black and white back then and not the gray it is today. And so I ask in a long-winded way, how much change have you seen over your time in the fire service? Probably all of it. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love you know, that. I did, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty simple. It, it, you had less time to put a fire out in the wood frame than you did in a brick building. That was, that was pretty much, you know, if it was a frame, you, you got to hustle a little bit. Um, you, you know, we started yeah. out, we didn't worry too much about lightweight trusses. I mean, they were just sneaking in even back then. But it wasn't it wasn't a big deal, and then you know then the construction changed, and then uh, um, you know what? Then the NFPA got involved with a lot of stuff. I mean, I complicated the hell out of. I, I was when I was doing my rescue and trap firefighter program, I got a call. They were putting a committee together to start thinking about a an NFPA regulation for for you know, uh, the, the rapid intervention. And I went to one meeting somewhere. I forget where it was, but you know what? Not one person at this meeting really talked about rescue and defying. It was all about now, and there, and there were manufacturers there already, or people that you know with a different interest. So, yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good, you know. But um, I think the construction was was probably, but but you know what? I, I uh, I'm, I'm kind of old school, and and Johnny Salk and I did a couple of classes together, and one of them was called uh, um, "Experience is My Science." Yeah. Rather than the other way around. Uh, but, you know, we went from one inch boosters, you know, when I was a volley to inch and a half to inch and three quarter to two inch. My volley company, West Milford, now runs all two inch. 
two-inch attack lines and five-inch uh, supply lines. Yeah. Um, Jersey City even went a little bit to two-inch. And I always looked at it. They went for the bigger, more water because the fires were getting bigger. They were getting hotter, and, and, and you needed that, that, that extra water. But, you know, I'm going to say this, and people are going to write in and say, oh, this is, this is bullshit. But, you know, Adam. I lived through it all. The lightweight trusses came in, and, and everybody said, buildings are going to fall down in five minutes. Um, you know, all that. The, the lightweight uh, um, trusses and stores and factories. We all understood that. But you know what? It, when, when you read about it, and I'm not knocking anybody, but when you read about it, they all make it seem like when the fire starts in a house with, with the plastics and the lightweight, you have three minutes to get in it. And... I never found that. I mean, we, we crawled into a lot of places with lightweight trusses and, and, and houses full of plastic furniture and whatnot, and got in and got out, did the search and, put the, and got in and put the fire out, because not all of them explode into a ball of fire. I mean, I, Chief, we, we love to teach and educate through fear today. Oh, my God. It's just unbelievable. You know, it I, is. I, I agree. And, and the thing is, is that today, more than ever, people take the word of what they're being taught and told. And nobody's, nobody's vetting the information that's coming to them. And so it's refreshing to sit here with you to have this conversation right now because it tells me experience matters. And we need to be sure of that. We can't live or die by the fear of what if we just can't do that we need to know we need to know and you need to know where it's coming from and then you need to mix that with your own experience so that you know how to operate on the fire ground yeah you know one of the things um when, when John and I get up on stage, we haven't done one in a while, but we, we did it at the FDIC in a couple of places, and, and it's, it's almost like a comedy routine, but, but, I love it. but, but people understand. So this whole thing, when flashover happened, uh, you know, let's get rid of flashover and, and blah, 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 and you scared the crap out of it, you know, the, the flashover simulators. And, and so I said to John up on stage, and I knew the end, what the answer was going to be. I said, John, I said, you know, how many fires have you been to? His answer is always, always 10,000. Okay. Right. I said, in your career, how many flashovers were you in? And you know what his answer was? Zero. Yep. Zero. I, we, we had a couple, I guess, in Jersey City, but none I was ever at. I mean, you know, I've, uh, you throw a little water in there, cool it off, open some windows, and blow <laughs> I love it. You know what you're saying is so true, though. This is, this is not rocket science, man. It's not. And that's why, Chief, that's why I'm saying, and I, I didn't want it to come across as disrespectful because it wasn't. When I meant that it was simpler back then, it seemed to be simpler. It's because today we overcomplicate everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want flashover? Put water in there. <laughs> cool it. Off right away. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's it can be that simple, right? Yeah. And and too often, I think we try to overcomplicate it and so on. So I appreciate this. This is this is fun. It's a lot of fun for me, for sure. <laughs> Let me ask you this, right? So just to get back on your career a little bit, right? So with, I mean, all that extracurricular stuff you did with Firehouse and traveling and teaching and all those things, unbelievable stories in and of themselves. You're buffing with, with, with Bob Pressler in the city. Like, that's hilarious to me, right? I wanted to ask you this. What part of your career really stands out, though? Was there, was there a spot, either being that senior fireman in 20 engine? Was it being a battalion, a captain? Like, what part of the job really stood out? And when you reminisce back to the back in the day, as we all say, what part of the job really stands out to you? 
Um, you know, I'm going to have to say, oh, you know what? There's so many. Uh, so give me a couple then. You don't have to pit, well, you don't have to narrow in on one. Give me a couple. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that may not answer your question, but one of the things that stands out, and, and if nobody else ever thought of this, I'll call bullshit, but the first... <laughs> The first, the first good fire I went to in Jersey City. My first night tour in, we got we got a report of a fire. What was called the Left Hand Tavern. It was a vacant mm -hmm. tavern, um, three stories of apartments above it. And I remember Left Hand Tavern because I'm lefty. Nobody ever does anything for a lefty, so I like this place. But it was vacant. The building, all the buildings were all vacant. Some of the apartments were vacant. So we get into this thing, and the bar is roaring. I mean, it's roaring. Now people are coming down a fire escape. We're gonna first do. Louis Schmidt's my captain, World War II vet. Quick story about Louis Schmidt. When I got to the firehouse, he said to me, kid, never get off this rig. We got a brand new Mac. No more back step yeah. now. Now we got, you know, so we got a brand new Mac CF. He says to me, two things. One, never get off this rig without your hat pack on. And I said, okay. I said, you know, every, every fire we go to, I'll have it on. He goes, no, don't ever get off this, this rig without your SCBA on. And like I said to some of the guys, I said, what is it? He, they said car fire, rubbish fire, automatic alarm. So I said, okay. So we get this fire, and, and uh, I, I think it was Donnie Deegan uh, had the nozzle, and, and, and two and a half, by the way, two and a half. You know what that is? That's a big hose with a lot of water coming out that oh, nobody yeah. uses anymore. So <laughs> we, we we crawl we crawl onto this place. It was like the banquet part of it. And the bar's way in the back, and the fire's over our head. You know, fourteen foot ceiling, big ceiling. And you know, I got the air pack on, and he's got his hand on my shoulder, and I said, um, uh, "Now." And he said, no, we kept going, kept going. But at that moment, we finally opened up the line, knocked the, knocked the hell out of it, came back out. And by the way, he had no air pack on. And he was smoking, he was smoking a, a camel. <laughs> I love that. So anyway, um, but that moment when we crawled in there and the fire was over my head, 10 feet behind us, and he said, no, don't open it. And I'm crawling, crawling. Oh, no, don't. At that moment, I said to myself, you know what? With all the training I've had to this point, Nothing. This doesn't resemble anything I had in training. Yeah, and right. I think any any five minute goes into a burning building. You know, whether you're on the line or behind a nozzle guy, the first time you got to stop and say, "I have not experienced this yet. What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's a guy with his hand on my shoulder. All right, experience it, it was his science. He knew when and how, and we didn't knock the hell out of it. It was it was it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So, you know, that was like a point in my career. That and, and when we had all the DOAs, which was, we had like three of those uh, in my career down there. But um, I would say the rescue, the years in the rescue, because we got to do so much. We did a huge amount of training. I mean, we all had some type of training. Um, sure. I came from the volleys with the extrications. And that was because we got to use what we trained every day. We'd be out. It was it was like a joke. Um, there was a, a famous uh, dispatcher, um, Ira Rubin. I don't know if you ever heard sure. the name. Yeah. No, I, of course, one hundred percent. Yeah. Ira was. I used to go up to Boston with him. He, he introduced me to, to the Boston guys. But, but you know, I'd get out in the morning. We'd have a you know clean up, clean the tools, everything, and by like ten o'clock, rescue one's on the air training. And he goes, "Okay, rescue one, you're on patrol." That's <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The city was I our first that. due. Yeah. It's only 14 square miles. We got a piece of everything, you know? Um, yeah. uh, I got a cheap. So the rescue, the, the years in the rescue were the best because we trained day and night. There were guys that wouldn't take overtime. Of the five 
rescue guys, uh, four of them had to be rescue qualified, and then we could have a transfer guy or overtime guy. There were guys that turned down overtime in the rescue. Just, you know, they call you and say, oh, we got one spot left, rescue one. And they'd say no, because we'd be out all day and night. All day, yeah. Yeah, we'd go out at 8 o'clock at night, go to a vacant building, and train in the dark, you know? Yeah, and uh, certain type. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, the union called me one day and he said, hey, listen, we got to do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's very funny, actually. Yeah. It was great. That's cool. We went to everything. We did high angle. You know, we were off of cliffs. We were off of buildings. Uh, sure. Water rescue. No diving. The diving, I fought to have no, that. No, you can't. Yeah. Because I went over, I think John Norman, I think, was in, in rescue one, I think, in... in and I talked to some guys over there, and they said, you know, if you do a dive, you're done for like four or five hours. You get, you got to get, uh, uh, you know, your blood pressure's got to be down, blah, blah, blah. So he said, you know, if you dive and you're the only rescue in the city, you might forget. Yeah, you're out of service. Yeah. So, but we did everything else, and, and that was good, starting out on every box. I mean, it was just, uh, so those years were the best. And going down to the 2nd Battalion as a battalion chief, that stands out as, uh, you know, one of the top things uh, in, in my career, because all the guys down there were, uh, we were all cut from the same piece of cloth. And when you have that, you know. Yeah. And well, that's where that competition comes yeah. in, right? And that's why competition's good. You got all these alphas down there. All they want to do is go to work and they want to strut their stuff. They want to show you what they can do. Yeah, they were. I easy. love it. I mean, there was, was an occasional you know, guy would show up. But um, you know what? If a guy didn't fit in. And, and this is telling a story out of school, but we had a bidding system, so a guy could bid in. Now, typically, you would call the captain and say, listen, I want to bid there. And you'd kind of get the okay. Right. But, you know, occasionally we'll get a guy who's down there and thinks it's, oh, this is going to be glory. I'll be with these guys, but didn't fit in. And the guys in the company would, would pin a, a bid sheet on his locker. Goodbye. That, that meant, yeah, find another yep. home, pal. Yeah, you're not welcome here. Yeah, that was, you that don't was, fit the mold. It wasn't legal to do, but, you know, that was... Uh, of course not. Work. Yeah, but if you were down there, you you know what? You were there for a reason. And uh, they took an engine That's 20. cool. When I got to Engine 20, it was all, all guys wanted to do. With their, yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this then. Retirement in 2009 as a deputy. Yeah. Um, and then after retirement, were you still involved with Firehouse at that time and, and doing... All the extra stuff, because I know you had uh, the opportunity to work as the uh, first fire chief of the ISO. I'd love to go down that road a little bit. Um, I have that in my notes. So maybe you can give a little background on that, how you transitioned from one to the other, or, or was it simultaneous? What would that all look yeah. like? Well, number one, I stayed with Firehouse all, all the way up until Harvey passed away. And then uh, okay. somebody else took over um, who uh, I just... Didn't do any more with Firehouse after that. I got so, it. I got yeah. it. No worries. Um, yeah, so I was, this is going to be interesting, and I still have some guys pissed off at me, but I've taken the chief of the department. <laughs> you know, I pissed off a lot of people. I'm, you're going to get a lot of thumbs down, believe me. But Good. Yeah. I. You know what? I hope so, because the, you know what? The world's full of all types. <laughs> so we're going to have to get over that, and it's storytelling, and it's kitchen table talk, so let's go. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I take the chief of departments test, and uh, I, I came out too, and, and I hardly study for it all. I mean, I really, uh, but I figured, what the hell, I'm close to retirement, another few grand in my pension check. So I took it, I came out too, uh, Michael Riley comes out one, he takes the job, and he's up there, I guess, for maybe a, a year or two, and, and, and uh, he comes down. Now, he comes down and says to me, uh, 
Well, I can't tell you what he actually said, but he, he didn't like the job of being chief. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, I'm going to retire. He goes, it's all yours. And I said, what? Now, just about then, um, a guy calls me up from ISO named Mike Waters. And Mike is, Mike is one of the guys that I put up on a pedestal. Mike is a, is a volunteer chief in Jackson Township, New Jersey. Right? Mm -hmm. But he's also the vice president of ISO. I mean, you know, mm. master's degree from Penn State and, and uh, just really, a really sharp guy. But he says to me, we decided that we want somebody from the fire service to run the ISO. Um, uh, oh, God, what was it called? Uh, community, uh, community mitigation. And that was right. uh, that was the, the the job of of overseeing all the guys out in the field who were going into these communities to collect data and give them their class one, two, three, and four, and hopefully you know, it would reduce some of the uh, the uh, uh, insurance premiums. So anyway, and I'm calling you, he said, because we just started the process and and it would be really good if you could throw your resume in. And I said, Mike, I said, oh, you know what? How, well, then he tells me I'm a volunteer fireman. I've been going to the Firehouse Expo for like 10 years. And he goes, I want to up on stage. He said, no. That's what it's about. So Connections, said, chief. So, Relationships. So I go over there and he explains to me a little bit about the job. I mean, it was it was a pretty big deal. I mean, the, um, I was the home office director for a year and I got promoted to national directors. Now I'm overseeing the entire uh, data collection and the analytics. And now I'm... I'm they're parading me around to, to some big insurance companies and the insurance company loved the fact that there's a fire chief in charge of yeah. fire data, you know? Um, I became a data person after that. I mean, cause uh, a lot of the stuff they had made a lot of sense. So anyway, go through the interview process. They call me, they said, now, now I got to decide. Do I go to ISO or do I take the chief's job, which I really kind of, uh, you know, when you're a little kid, oh, I'd love to be the fire chief, but I was in Jersey City a long time. And once you get up there, and, and a really good friend of mine, one of the best chiefs Jersey City ever had was uh, Rick Eggers, um, you know, fabulous leader. And it just, you know what, I saw it in him. I, I just saw, you know, it just, it ages you. Um, you you're really now not doing anything about fires. You may go to it, but you're talking to the press or you're talking to a councilman. And, and I said, and it, it, at this point in my life, I just decided, you know what, I don't want to do that. I, I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm just, you know what, I... Uh, uh, you know, I just didn't want to do it, and I hated to say it. I, you know, I cried myself to sleep one that one night because I just, I just couldn't do it. And, mm. But I had this opportunity. Yeah. And it, it was with a, it was a, a billion dollar. I don't know if they were Fortune 500 or not, but it was a huge multinational company. They, they had offices all over the world. Yeah. And I said, all right, you know. So I, when I took, went through the. Uh, uh, Funny story, real quick. The last thing we had to do was give a, a PowerPoint program with like 12 slides of anything you wanted. Well, of course, I did mine on managing a fire, you know. The, yeah, right. And all the other guys were doing this business stuff. And then and then, then they came out and they, they said, one by one, they said, what are the three most important slides? You know, I showed them and they said, okay, delete those three slides and do it again. It was only like a little 10-minute presentation. It was easy for me. I didn't even have to look at the slides. I mean, it was, it was all the stuff I was doing for Firehouse yeah, and all this. Right. And then they called me and said, uh, you know, come back over. And I said, you're our choice. And they put this thing like this thick. And every page I turned, I, I was 
he said, take it home over the weekend, discuss it with your family. You know, you don't have to... every page I turned, I was I was looking for a pen to sign my name to it. Right, right, right. It unbelievable. Right. That's awesome. They took it and uh, and they, you know, they uh, their reputation was kind of down because Charleston was a, was a class one and they lost nine firefighters, which had nothing to do with ISO's class one, because ISO does everything. Looks at everything in your fire department except your strategy. Once the fire truck stops in front of a burning building, they have nothing to do with that. So right. if you decide to get off with a one-inch booster from a factory fire or whatever the case may be, they just look at the three most important things. And to this day, they're still the same. The, the most important thing that ISO looks at uh, that gives you the most points is staffing. Number two right. is training. And three is deployment. Or depo you know, how quickly you get there. And then there's the rest of it. But those three things stand hard and fast, probably through all-time firefighting, staffing, yeah. training, and deployment. So I did that for yeah. a few years. It was great. I had a great time. Traveled all over the country. I was going to say, I mean, you you had a front row seat to how many different fire departments, right? I mean, it's it's in talking with yeah. dynamic chiefs and, and finding other departments that need a little pick-me-up, yeah. right? But, like, that is serving the fire service on a much larger scale. It, it, it was it – was, and plus, we were we were rewriting the ISO grading schedule because ISO at the time had their own. They didn't go with the NFPA. They had their own things, and, and people were pissed off about that, and, and yeah. all these complaints. And oh my God, it was crazy. So I just the first thing I <laughs> this is I hope Mike's not listening, but uh, one of the things they said was, you know, can you can you get out. You know, to somehow after the fire service and and just let them know that we hired you. You, you know, you're a fire chief and blah blah blah, or a deputy chief, and and uh, you know they'll know your name. And and I said, oh, I, yeah, I said take a while, but but you know what? My, my second day in the office, they give me a nice office overlooking New York City. I'm up on like the 19th floor or something. They have their own building, and in Jersey City, by the way. So yeah, nice, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool. I could park in a firehouse lot and uh, walk over. So anyway. Um, uh, I forgot what I was saying now. <laughs> uh, no, the second day there, yeah, yeah. You, they asked so, you about your name, yeah, they spread it around. To the public. So it was really simple. I called Harvey Eisner. I said, Harvey. <laughs> I said, I took the job at ISO, blah, blah, blah. I said, could you do a little? Th oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it in the magazine. Said, okay. I called Bobby Holton. I said, Bobby. I said, you know, I just went over to ISO. Can you put anything? Oh, yeah, I can put it in a magazine. And then I called the, a longtime friend, Billy Goldfeder. Who, sure. Yeah, who, who's in touch with like two million firemen? <laughs> yeah, right. Billy, can you put a little thing? And they all wrote up nice, nice things, and it came out in, in, in all the magazines. And so, really, in the second day, um, I did what they thought would take me like six months to do. But yeah, right. National recognition like, and understanding. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I, I, I'm telling you, I talked to. I was in every state. I went to just about all fifty states except Hawaii. I was going to Hawaii to meet with the. the all the chiefs and you know the state chiefs and whatnot, and they said, "Oh, you don't have to come to Hawaii. We're, we're going to the uh, Western Fire Chiefs Conference in California. We'll meet you in San Diego." And I said, oh. "Come on, guys, you're killing me, right? You're killing me. Was, I had an opportunity to go to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. I met with the yeah. governors, you know, etc. But uh, so, how long did you do I work for ISO? I think uh, about four years, I believe. Yeah, maybe right around four years. Yeah, you know, I could." Mike retired. Mike Waters, um, um, Joe Massington, who was who was my my right arm. Mike was my left. Joe was my right. Uh, he retired. So I, 
it started to feel a little bit like fish out of water because the new people coming in didn't quite understand. You know, Joe Massington was a, was a career firefighter in Pennsylvania. Mike was a, a fireman down at the University of Maryland, and, uh, right. and then the chief. And so they understood me. You know, when I talked to them, yeah. and the new people coming in, it was like I didn't speak their language. So I, I got a little worried and. I finally packed it in when I was 65. I decided 65 that I left Jersey City when I was 60. Uh, I retired pretty much, yeah, about 60, yeah, 65, exactly 65, because one of the things in the back of my mind was my father passed away at 57. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And he just got done being chief in Dumont, um, well, a few, a few years before that. He was chief in, I think, 75. Yeah, and I was chief in 78. So uh, I just said to myself, I'm going to do something, you know, to, to, you know, love my family, do more of my family. Yeah. You know. so, yeah. Surely entitled, Chief. I mean, you put in a long career, a long, hard career. Yeah, you know, I, I have a million stories about Chiefs. I'd always go out to dinner with Chiefs, whatever city I was in. They'd invite yeah. me. I said, I, I want a cup of coffee in the firehouse, talk with the guys. And and uh, and then we went out and had, you know, some beers and whatnot. And it'd be like 10 Chiefs there. And I learned so much about the fire service. You know, truly... The last thing I'll say about ISO, what I found out was there are a huge amount of fire departments in, in this country that don't have anything, that have mm. three air packs, that uh, have two rickety old 1950, now have 58 engines and, and yeah. have nothing. And if it's, they, they just can't get, you know, when it comes time to put in for money, they can't hire anybody. So... It's kind of a shame. When I mean, you look at the whole scale that ISO does, one to ten, how many fire departments? Most of the fire departments in this country, the biggest group, I think, are like class sevens and eights. I mean, at the other end of the scale. Yeah. Yes. So that was an eye opener to me. I didn't think that existed. Well, you look at, I mean, middle America, right? Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. you're talking about places where it truly is, and this is. 2024 yeah yeah that it's truly small town usa neighbors helping neighbors yeah. they have a fire department because of necessity it's not and and the people that are there are hard-working townsfolk who are there to help one another as neighbors and so the fire service has to be representative of that as well and when we get carried away on social media all the content we put out and the stuff we do People lose sight of that. They don't understand that it's different everywhere you go. You have the best of the best, and you have departments that are scraping by, literally scraping by to just keep fuel in the fire truck, and and that has to be recognized. Yeah, it, it, and it's a shame it's not, and it should be, because if I remember correctly, when they started giving the money out of the SAFER grant, that was written if you look back in time, that was written to bring the lower tier of fire departments in our country mm. up. Yeah. Not to take the best fire departments and give them more. And that's, yeah. you know, unfortunately, that's my own opinion. And, and uh, but, but I've seen it. I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, I've met with the people that do the safer grant because they called and said, we have a lot of fire departments, smaller fire departments and poor fire departments calling in saying, we want, we want the money so we can get a better ISO grade to save the taxpayers money on their insurance. Yes. That wasn't allowed. They said, you know, we we can't allow that. And, and then they called me down and I went and spoke with them and whatnot. And they were thinking about that might be a, a decent reason. That might be a good reason. You know, so I think it is a good money. reason, right? Yeah. So I don't know where yeah. I went after that because I left. But, uh, yeah, it was a real eye-opener just to see what was going on around the country. I mean, it just uh, – but you know what? 
didn't matter who they were because when the bell hit, when the plectrum went off or, or they rang the bell, these guys turned out. It didn't matter. Yeah. They turned out and they went and they were going to do whatever they could do. Uh, agreed. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, you know, for you to be able to see that, I've seen it with my travel and who we get to talk with, man. I mean, there is just some unbelievable people and departments in this country yeah. that you don't even know exist. Yeah. And and that is what I think is so good about the fire services, that there is so much good out there about it. We just tend to focus on the negative. Yeah, these guys are saving lives and property. They sure are. Which brings they sure are. peeve. When we all got sworn into the fire service, you, me, and everybody else, didn't you raise your right hand and say to, to protect lives and property? What happened to the sure. property part of it? I agree. I mean, really. I, I agree. I, I looked at the data. The, the, the property loss was going up, 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 and up. It's, it's not going, you know. So I just that's just one of my little pet peeves. You know, you, uh, it, it, we're getting in there. We're saving people. I mean, you know, did somebody, there's, this, there's a group out there now. You can go online and see. It, it's happening all over the country. But. What about the other part of it? You know, should we take that out of the oath? Don't, don't worry yeah. about property anymore? No, I think it's important that we value that. And I think we should put numbers to that. And I think that we should show our worth and what we do. And I think that the preservation of property freaking matters because that's what people have outside of outside of their own lives and, the, and their loved ones and, and their neighbors. The only other thing they have is their property, yeah. their ownership, right? Yeah. We need to recognize that as firefighters, too. And we need to be respectful of it. I've, I've been on plenty of fire scenes, and I know you have, too, where we're not respectful of it. Salvage has become a lost art. Yeah. You know, yeah. and when, when you talk about that, you look at, like, cities like New York City. They had they had salvage companies. Right. I mean, that's right. what yeah. they did through the insurance agency. Like, so I, there's so much there, and I think we devalue so much of that today. And in fact, that needs to be more of a, a focus for sure. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you hundred percent. So let me ask you. So now, now you got a little bit of downtime grandkids, I believe. Right. And you're, you know, and so on, but you're, you're still very, very much involved in the fire service in a lot of different ways. Talk to me retrospect, looking back on it. I mean, it's, I asked you before about like the advances and things you've seen and you've seen so much change, but where we are today, um, I still think we're in a we're in a better place than we've ever been. Um, I think we have more resources than we've ever had, and and so I just love your take on maybe today and and what you're seeing. Uh, I'd love to get some feedback on that, please. And it can vary from what I just said, so please, I'd love to have that conversation. We have great resources. I mean, the gear is fantastic now. The the the, the air packs are, are you know they're sure. not steel bottles anymore, and and uh, you know I went through that. You know, to to from the old steel bottles up to the, what they're using now, and things in your face piece. And but you know what? A, a lot of the things that have come to the fire service with the equipment and whatnot, it it it, it just created more training. And I'm not saying training bad, but more training specific to that, more time on that. Um, and you know, yeah, it just it's hard to put into words. But um, I, I just think. We have it all there, but it's just taken so much time to, to, to put it to use, I guess, sometimes when, when when you look at it. I mean, there are things, I have so many pet peeves. I have a whole list here that I wrote about. I mean, I... I so go. Well, Give me a couple of well, them. Well, you know Come what? On. Dirty City, there's no such thing as, as, as a Mattingdale. Uh, you know, just uh, the officer looks and decides what, what he wants, and, 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 you, and you pull it off and you hook it up. I mean... Here's one of my pet peeves, and when I give a course on uh, 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 engine company operations, people yell at me all the time for this, and I show them videos of Jersey City, live videos 
of a, a pump. All the most of the, the pump is in Jersey have 500 gallons of water, tank water. Yes. If you're not going to use it, then don't buy a fire truck with a tank anymore. You make it an equipment because tank water is, is so important. I, I have a, a, a couple really good fires, and in Jersey City, if, if there's not a hydrant in sight, the engine pulls up and they drop their tank. It could be out three, four windows. That first line's going in with tank water. Second engine backs in, or, or they, 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 they run them a feed. Um, I have a, a, a great video of a fire, three-story frame with energy-efficient windows, which you know, I teach people to try to recognize that. But the windows are already blown out. All right? The fire's licking out, and the engine pulls up. They can't get to the hydrant because it's a police car in the middle of the street. Um, and the captain just decides, you know what? Let's grab four lengths, and they go up. On a, before the booster tank is empty, the fire is gone. Yeah. It was just getting out in the hallway, and they go up and they drop the tank. And, and one of my pet peeves is, I, you know, in my travels, um, I, I hear and, and, and talk to guys, and I would like say, oh, no, chief doesn't allow us to drop the tank at, at a structure fire. We've got to wait until we have a... a but you know what? You, you're crawling with the 500 gallons, and if it's not doing its job, well, number one, if it's not doing the job, you didn't get there. But, you know, maybe you, you knock the hell out of it, you slow it down, you back out, get the feed, and when you go back in, it's not that big fire anymore. Now it's it's a little bit less than it was. But um, you can you can put out a lot of fire with 500 gallons of water. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm just I, I, I it's fear based. Chief. Tank water and people like you know what what are you talking about that for? What, how that's not important. I, yeah, it is. I, I think if we got in there right away, we wouldn't have flashovers and we wouldn't be losing the building next door. Get in, drop that 500 gallons. You know, whatever nozzle you're using and. Uh, if you got to regroup, you regroup. But I'll tell you what, you'd be surprised at how many rooms you could put out. I would agree with you 100%. Give me another pet peeve. Uh, another pe uh, I lost my notes here. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you know, the other thing, this has to go for, with a company officer. Um, my pet peeve sometimes is the company officer comes in and, and he's all-knowing and all-seeing. And he, this is the way we're going to do it. And... You know, again, when I when I do something for company officers, when you're a company officer and you go to that company, you need to find out what you what your guys know because you don't know it all. They don't know it all, but they know something. You need to find out what they know. What are they good at? You know what? Let them let them teach you. Well, this is what we do when this you know blah blah blah. And you and you tell them it's got to be it's got to be this 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 group initiative. You know, so it's not just teaching them. Let them teach you. You may have a guy that, you know, you're, you're, you're a captain and you've been in a job 10 years. Another guy, the other two guys are there 15, 20 years. And yeah. they have something a little bit different. Well, this is what we, you know, you need to listen to them first. Sit down with them and find out what they know. All right. And then, you know, you tell them what you know and you get together. Okay, let's, let's do, what's the best way? It's not, you're not, you're not the, the king. You know, to me, it's. That's right. Uh, yeah. You got to learn. You know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that most of the guys um, that that bit to, to wherever I was, and I usually stayed a, a while, um, just like the fact that I trained. You know, and 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 I went out. I started going at Lenny Rubicki. Uh, he turned out to be a captain. He was with me on the rescue, and, and Pete Greasy. These guys showed me so much. Lenny, Lenny, everybody has a nickname when we were on the rescue. Lenny was called the Saw. Lenny the Saw. We had a fire on the top floor. Or, or anything needed on the roof, Lenny would take the saw and go. He, he could go by himself to the roof. That was okay with me because the first two truck would also send uh, a, a couple guys to the roof, so he wouldn't be. Yeah, and he, 
And he's Lenny the Soul. I mean, come on. Like you, Lenny that name gives you carte blanche on the roof. You do whatever you want. You're Lenny the Soul. Could have taken building, and Lenny would just go with the saw. Um, yeah, Pete was great with forcible entry. You know, if right. the tools didn't work, he would just run through it. So, you know, <laughs> I love that. We need yeah. some. We always need you know, guys. Mike like Conlon, uh, Tommy Ebert, they all were good at everything, but great at certain other things. And I made sure yeah. that it wasn't like, okay, it's your turn to go to the roof and your turn to do. No, if this is what you were good at, this is what you're going to do all the time. I love and, that yeah. recognition of skills. And yeah. you know, we, we split up one guy would go to, one guy went to the fire floor, followed the line in. If they need forceful entry or search and two of us would go above the fire or to the next apartment down, you know, it, but I just, whatever you could do the best, it was none of this rotating unless we had to, you know, if we had a, a transfer guy or something, but I just learned quickly sure. what they were good at. I love that. Well, I mean, that's, and that's it. As a new company officer, you're starting over. And so you got to put the time in to start over just like a probie does. You got to put the time in, you got to learn the yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah, the culture, right? All of the that. The worst thing I for think sure. Could, so, as mm-hmm. a new company officer, the worst thing you could do is is sit, is walk into a firehouse, and let these guys know you're the boss. I mean, to me, that that just ruins everything. That's like, all right, they're gonna go into their shows, and all right, we'll do it. I just always sat down with the guys and said, listen, what do you do here? I mean, I'm I'm new down here. I'm not new on a job, obviously, but you know, I'm under twenty now. A couple of older guys, and and. Uh, you know, they sat down and said, you know, they're in a different part of the city. You do things differently depending on your area. And, yeah. and I listened to them and, uh, you know what? I said, that, that's going to work. That's going to work. And if something didn't work, I'd say, hey, you know, maybe we could modify it a little bit. I didn't, you know, I'd like you to turn the water on the nozzle a little bit sooner than you did. But... <laughs> <laughs> what, in the left-hand bar, right? On the Laying on the floor in the left-hand bar, right? That was nuts. Uh, that, but, you know... To end that story, the reason why he did that, and he did this with the other guys, by the time I left there, I could put a, a Scott on so quick I mean, with the waist yeah. strap. Because if the waist strap wasn't done, he'd smack me. So, you know what? A hundred times, I got off that rig and put the pack on. So by the time I went someplace else, it was second nature. You know? So that was yeah. his thing. You, you just tried- Yeah, and the other, the other thing too, Chief, I have to believe that if you got too far... He would look at you and go, all right, kid, it's your turn. You got this. And he'd beat feet, man. That's, that was his safety policy. That was his, uh, his insurance policy. Is we get too deep. Hey, Butch, you got this. I'll be outside, brother. I know you got this now, man. I got you. I know you, you're ready. This guy never took his hand off my shoulder. I mean, it was, if, he, if yeah. he took his hand That's off my cool. shoulder, I would have been gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. no. It was, That's it, awesome. It was, he was a good guy, but... That was the error I came on. A lot of World War II vets. When I went to Engine 4, two World War II vets there, one guy had one eye. and, and wow. Yeah, and he was a, a B-24 pilot. Um, but not, he was an older guy. I mean, he had gray hair. He, he probably was 60 when I came on the job. But but wow. he was a great guy. I mean, we got down. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't sprinting in the building with us. But, you know, after a few seconds, he'd be... Right behind yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. but I learned a lot from him. I mean, he just he just knew he always knew when and, and how to do it. I mean, how how to do it the the the, the quickest. So, uh, yeah, and then uh, I had a great officer, Jack Duffy. And he retired early to take a job as a chief. I think at, at the Atlantic City Airport, he was uh, he was in the Air Force and in the Air Force Reserve. Learned a lot from him. He was really good. And I was in two life threatening situations. And he he saved my life uh, at a fire. Uh, Is that right, Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, 
Yeah, in a class. I don't know how him, him and the guy named Mike Lynch dragged me and another guy out, but I thought it was, I thought it was, was I was in trouble. But yeah, he hung in and uh, yeah, and then the Onyx Chemical Fire when the place blew up, he was he was my office for that too. But I'm starting to think it was wow. bad luck after that. <laughs> oh, yeah, unless he was your guardian angel, man. You know, somebody yeah. who's keeping an yeah. eye on you. I don't know, but wow. I mean, what a what an incredible career stories the things that you've been a part of the things that you've done a lot chief it's been a hell of a career huh yeah yeah it was and it, you know and for all the young guys listening out there i, I gotta say one thing jeremy real quick i'm 75, yeah, please. I'm 75 years old uh i went to i spoke at the fdic last year they it was nice that they uh they gave me a class and when i wasn't in the classroom i had my notebook and i picked out classes that i liked a guy Young guy, younger guy, well, everybody's younger than me now, but um, teaching something about search and rescue, talking about the uh, engine company. I go, I sit in the back of the room to this day awesome. with my notebook yeah. and I write things down. And you know what? Some of these guys are really sharp and, and thought about things that I never did um, or thought about. And I just, I have a whole notebook full of, of, of guys, you know, I love it. but it, it's, uh, yeah, I want to keep learning. I'm not out of it. Yeah, I'm only, I think I'm only doing two conferences this year. I mean, I, my wife, I just want to do a little more travel and spend more time with my grandkids, but I was doing like five or six, okay. um, you know, with with uh, my training company. Again, we were, we were traveling all over the country, so it was time to slow down. So I'm, the New York State Chiefs to me is the, is the, is the, is the uh, poor language, but the funnest conference you could go to. I don't know if you've ever been to the New York there State Chiefs. Yeah, well, it's in Syracuse now, yeah, right? But yeah. it used to be at the Concord, right? Years ago, it used yeah, to be at the I Concord. Went to it in the Concord yeah. And then the casino was really nice. That was fun. Right, right, right. Sue, yeah. Sue, Sue, is, uh, Sue, who runs that, uh, is just a wonderful, wonderful uh, woman. Great for the fire service. And, and I get to go every year. But it's all home week. I mean, you know, the sure. Mike Lombardo, the Bobby Presslers, the John. Sure. We sit around at night and just... Uh, Lie to each other. <laughs> well, I thought, yeah, well, I'd love to be a fly on that wall. I could promise you that. You know what I mean? That's and listen, Chief, that's what that's what got this started for me doing this is being a fly on the wall, listening to the stories, wanting to learn more, wanting to get to know people. Conversation's powerful. When we get to do this tonight, we've been going for an hour and fifteen minutes already. Like when we get to do this, it it makes a difference. It's not only good for us, and and I can only imagine as you get older, and I'm learning this myself, but as you get older, you need this more and more, right? Because it's your connection to still stay involved. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of kids out there still. I, I, you know, I, I look at, at some of the conferences that the Fools run and, and others, and there are a lot of conferences out there that, that are still talking about and teaching fires and, and and what you do as a firefighter and what you do on a ladder truck and what you do on the engine we, there's still a lot of that going on out there it's not all you know the, 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 i know the science is out there and the, but there's still thank god thank god that kids are still going to learn how to put fires i love that i agree i couldn't agree with you more that's fantastic yeah. final thoughts chief not to rush you but you know i know the audience and they get impatient yeah. as the clock ticks on so final thoughts what's next for you anything you want to see anything you want to do something we didn't touch on i'm giving you the last words here chief you deserve them after a long career There's about 500 things we didn't touch on <laughs> 
I know that. So we'll have to we'll have to have you back. I, I mean, I could sit, I could I could literally sit here all night and go down memory lane with you because I I love the yeah. storytelling. Yeah, next sure. time we get together, though, the, the two stories I would really like to get into is uh, is the Worcester story and, and the uh, and and the, and the uh, Charleston story. I mean, they're two things that that run run true to me and I, uh, you know, we put together a couple of programs for the, for the widows there, but uh, that's, that's down the road. But what's next for me is, is probably, probably the last year of, of going to a conference. I think this is this, the, the New York state chiefs will be my swan song. And then I'll uh, just, just going to, I got three grandkids live down a block from me in Arizona and, and, and my little girl here in Pittsburgh. So I think it's going to be all family. Uh, yeah. Good. You know, I, rightfully so. I, I, I said that like two or three years in a row and, uh, and, but I told my wife, I made it this year. I said, this New York state will be it. And then I'm probably just going to, the only fun I, you know, that I do, uh, out of my house is, uh, I still ride my motorcycle. I still, uh, good for you. I'm back and forth across country like four times and riding with that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, listen, I, uh, I look forward to the day that I get to meet you in person, shake your hand, maybe share a pop or two and, uh, and hear some more stories. But, uh, Deputy Chief Butch Cobb, thank you, brother. Thank you, Chief, for joining me today. What a fantastic conversation! I had a lot of fun. I, mean, with you. I, I know I was all over the board, but this this has been nah. This is good. Yeah, I, I I haven't been this excited. It just it, it's been a pleasure. I mean, you, you do a great job. You got a great program, and uh, oh, thank yeah, you. And thank yeah, you. just. But it's, but it's genuine, and I'll tell you why I can say that. It's because when I go to my own firehouse and I see these older guys that are there, guys that are no longer running on the trucks, right, and they're sitting around having a beer or having a coffee, I love just pulling up a chair and talking with them. And that's, that is as genuine as it gets, and I think that that is the only way we can truly protect the legacy and integrity of this job is by – taking care of those that came before us and we can take care of them by keeping them involved in learning their stories. And I think that that's absolutely what matters. Yeah, you, you hit the, the nail right on the head. That, that that's, that, that, that's fantastic. You think like that and, and you, and you continue, you know, you, you just continue what you're doing. Cause it's a great show. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, chief. And you're welcome back anytime. We're going to hit those Worcester stories, the Charleston stories. We're going to grab some more war stories from you. I'd love to do it. We'll do it at a different time, but uh, thank you again for spending the night with me. I know you're busy, you're traveling. So I'm glad we were able to fit this in, but uh, I really appreciate you tremendously. So thank you for being here. Thank tonight. you, Jeremy. Thanks. Awesome. Stay right where you are, chief. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast and I'm going to come right back to All you. Right. Okay. Good. Awesome. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Retired Deputy Chief Butch Cobb out of the Jersey City Fire Department. A lot of laughs tonight, a lot of great stories, and I can't wait to get back to him on the next go-around part two. It'll be a lot of fun. So, guys, do me a favor. Take what you heard here tonight. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it, because when we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Fire Radio.